This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, February 22nd. For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Pataglia, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. I will be talking about the three things you need to know for the week of February 22nd, and I'm joined by my colleague Don Vaughn, who will talk to us about lawmakers' push to get students back in the classroom. Don, you've been covering Senate Bill 37. Talk to me about what lawmakers are trying to do with this bill and what would happen if Governor Cooper doesn't support it. Well, there's a there's a running clock now since it's been sent to the governor. And the way it works with a bill is he can sign it veto. He can also do nothing, um, which not everybody knows. And the clock is 10 days. So Cooper has already said that he doesn't support the bill. He doesn't like the lack of social distancing, which is under Plan A. Um, and one part of the bill would require Plan A, which is the minimal social distancing for special needs K-12 students. Overall, the bill is just to... It doesn't make everybody have only in-person class, but it it makes all school districts, all um, public school districts, not charters, um, offer the option of in-person learning. And most school districts already did this a lot. Um, You know, they could have opened under this plan B, which ended up being spaced out rotations, which was sort of this hybrid model and virtual. Uh, And the bill still allows virtual if that's what the students and families want. Um, and it, the bill was kind of drug out over the weekend, trying to work out this language with staff members who would need to work in person, who have um, a reason that they can't. Either they're higher risk and worried about um, coronavirus or they're a caretaker of a child who's, who's high risk. So that was one of the reasons that it drug out a little bit. If you're wondering, like, why is this still news this week when it was news last week and the week before <laughs> It's, it's uh, just the, the bill making of, of getting this worked out. But at the core, it's to make these school districts offer an option of in-person for students, um, either plan A or plan B. Plan B is the uh, required six feet of social distancing and plan A doesn't. And that is the sticking point that um, for Cooper, because this uh, public schools recommended toolkit that the DHHS has put out recommends that plan A minimal distancing for K-5 and plan B for high school. And the bill allows A or B for for K-12. So that's what the uh, Republican-led bill, it has Democratic support, so much Democratic support that it has enough for an override. So the different ways this could go would be if Cooper, this whole week could pass and nothing happens because the 10 days hasn't run out yet. Um, and then this will be news again, you know, the the following week. Uh, if he vetoes it, it you just got to schedule the overrides in each chamber and the votes are already there unless Democrats change their mind or it depends on who's actually there for votes. The House allows proxy votes. The Senate does not. And so if he vetoes it, that process can happen sooner. He's pretty much not going to sign it that we think if he does nothing, it becomes law after 10 days. And that kind of drags out the process because teacher vaccinations, it's the other thing that is on schedule for this week for Wednesday, the 24th, they become eligible, but vaccinations have been delayed to states because of the weather. So that is the shortest way I can describe this bill. That was a little windy, but that's how what it is. Have you experienced a veto override yet? Because I haven't. Well, covering politics. 
Yes, the infamous veto override of September 11th, 2019 over the budget. One of my favorite topics hasn't always been, but it has developed into be the budget is a fun topic. Um, I wasn't in the chamber because nobody really was in the chamber except a bunch of Republicans and a few Democrats, which is why the Democrats freaked out when uh, the Republicans successfully overrode Cooper's veto of, of the budget back then. And that's that famous video um, that of Deb Butler saying, you know, how dare you, Mr. Speaker and everything. And I can't remember who recorded that. Maybe um, I don't want to say like the wrong lawmaker, but it was another lawmaker that recorded. I was actually in the building. I was the only member of the press corps in the building when that vote happened. But I was going to some boring finance committee meeting or something. And then all of a sudden saw the drama and like more going you know, to the caucus room. And I was like, I'm going to go sit in the press conference room because I have a feeling something's going to happen here pretty soon. And of course it did. So, uh, so that was fun. And I, I guess I've been other other overrides that failed, and it's less dramatic. So um, that set the bar pretty pretty high for override drama. I forgot you were there for that. And I know um, lawmakers plan this week to vote sometime midweek about how for a program basically to catch students up to um, speed if they fell behind learning virtually. Can you talk to me a little bit about this summer school program that they're looking at putting into place? Yeah, well, speaking of Speaker Moore, um, <clears throat> right when the session started, actually, he brought this up about, and this isn't, uh, this is this is his uh, proposal, but it, it's got a lot of support. And I think, again, bipartisan support. Uh, if you look at the past, you know, schools first closed, mid, it's almost a year that some kids have had in-person instruction, even those that um, have had in-person or remote or a combination there's this uh, academic lag and and everything that happens when um, when school isn't as as normal, you know. So what this would do uh, would be six weeks of an optional program. Uh, targeted for at-risk students to help them catch up academically. And lunch would be provided and it would be in person and it would have something to make it like less boring. If kids find like the academic side boring, there would be some sort of either um, at the lower grade level, like art, music, sports, there'd be some sort of enrichment. And so it's not the summer school where you might think like, you know, somebody, um, has to catch up in the subject like they're forced to or you're in big trouble type of thing. It's an optional, hey, we're going to do this. The government is going to provide this for you and you can do it. So, uh, so far, it's still at the proposal phase. But, you know, as you were saying, it could could go to a vote already. And one of the reasons that Moore said that he wanted to get on this was to give time for the LEAs to develop a plan because, you know, we're toward the end of February already and it's just four months, less than four months till the end of the school year. Do you think students will want to go to summer school? I know your son wants to be back in the classroom. So do you think you'll actually have a push this year for let me go back? I think, yeah. And I think the point that's been made by lawmakers is that personal interaction that, that students have been missing at the little kid level, at the middle school, teenage level, you know, teenagers um, or high school students in Wake County only, you know, just went back. Uh, to school for the first time ever. Uh, middle had been on rotation, and uh, Wake County anyway. Um, elementary had start, younger elementary had started going back um, in October. So I think that that it might be more more ideal for kids that that have been missing this than any sort of typical year. This is something you're going to do, and you're not going to be able to go to you know whatever else. So 
Um, but of course, kids like, you know, fun time and so this is, I mean, traditional school year. There's, um, I think they still have to figure out how they would work it for the you know, year round track out schedules. But even with, with track out, you have um, three week blocks. So if there's a way for them to sort that out. I know I've heard from a lot of parents this year just saying their kids, some of their kids are doing really well and some are falling behind and there's a wide mix of how they're feeling about these virtual schools. So it's a interesting option to give them a way to get back in, I guess, get back into the groove kind of too of learning. Yeah. And I think it, it really is, you know, both sides of it, um, you know, more and, and others that support these um, kind of bills with, with, either catching up academically and they push that and then other people say, well, you know, the whole country, the whole world is dealt with this and it really doesn't matter if it's academic, but it's more than academic. And there's a whole, you know, one of the phrases I like to use is risk mitigation. And I think that that Dr. Cohen has mentioned that a lot of in the press conferences about schools and, and the reason that the DHHS guidance and the reason that, you know, that Cooper has pushed this too is that the transmission is different for um for elementary age children versus versus teenagers, um, and what the you know there's never going to be zero risk for anything, but but what's the what's the risk versus reward? And and it's been a long time. I mean, almost a year is is a really long time for these kids. Yeah, I can't imagine going that long. Um, there's one other thing you guys should know this week. We are probably keen politicos are going to notice that there is a difference to the schedule. Um, a lot of the meetings that you would see typically at the end of last week will be held Monday and Tuesday because a winter storm moved through North Carolina. Um, we, we aren't seeing much. This is being recorded on Thursday as the storm's moving in. And so far, we haven't seen much here in Raleigh, but they did put an ICE protocol into place where um, lawmakers canceled meetings Thursday and moved them around. So we could see some of those meetings at the start of next week. But uh, they assure me that that won't slow down what they're trying to accomplish. So those are the top three things you need to know for the week of February 22nd. For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Battaglia here with Don Vaughn. See you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com newsletters. Thanks for listening.